Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine and sponsored by Steer. Broadcasting today from Agreco Studios. Agreco, powering the Permian. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. We are actually live in studio here at Oilfield Experts. We will be joined by Bill Stevens, who is a consultant in the government relations for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Well, for more than 19 years now, that's a lot of time to spend in our state capital talking about things that really matter in oil and gas. So I, we look forward. I look forward to having him join the show. And, of course, this is our live call-in day. So I encourage you, if you have a question for Bill today pertaining to anything that's happening um, at our state capitol, you know, we're getting close to ending the session. We're um, within a month of shutting down. Uh, please call in. The phone number is area code 210 526-3656. Again, the number is 210-526-3656, in which you can ask Bill uh, or myself or even David Blackman, who will be joining us as well, the editor of Shell Magazine on today's show. Again, that number is 210-526-3656. Ask a question on anything pertaining to oil and gas, but today our real focus will try to be on the Texas legislative session and what will be the final outcome when it comes down to oil and gas. But now I'd like to talk to you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine in which we are featuring our women's issue. You know, every year we're dedicated to helping uh, identify and spotlight women that are really making a difference in the oil and gas industry. And so we just dropped the latest issue in which our cover is Amy Cronus, who is the managing partner for Deloitte, uh, one of the largest consulting companies uh, out there pertaining to oil and gas. And so I encourage you to look at this issue in which we cover a lot of different women. We profile a lot of different women in the oil and gas industry. And of course, you can always go and look it up for free at shalemag.com. Again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. And now we're getting ready to bring on Bill Stevens, Government Relations Consultant for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Hey, Bill. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show today. Well, thank you, and thank you for the introduction, and it's good to hear your voice. Well, you know, uh, we don't get to see each other a lot because you're really, really busy at the state capitol doing a lot of really important stuff, you uh, and uh, the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. And, and we're going to get into that. We've got an hour to jump into all these different things sure. that we're looking at. But, but I want to start, if you don't mind, real quick. Tell me a little bit about your role. You've been 19 years as a public policy extraordinaire for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. What have you been doing for those 19 years? And and, and more importantly as well, or, or as important, what does the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers do as well? Well, I should just say I want one thing that I just woke up and realized, that my first session to work in the legislature uh, as professional was 1999. That was 10 sessions ago, 20, 20 years. Uh, and uh, I, I'd have been saying it was 19, but it's 20. Correction noted. But we need to update yeah, your LinkedIn and, account then, because that's where I got well, it from. We, we started the Texas Alliance as a, uh, it was a trade association, but we merged 
two small regional trade associations, the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association and the North Texas, out of Wichita Falls. We merged those two together uh, in the fall of, uh, of 2020. I had been down the year before under the West Central Texas group, but um, it's been a, a, a two-decade a two uh, experiment now. Uh, we represent primarily uh, smaller independents, mom and pops. We have about 3,000 uh, members, although some of our membership is some of the largest companies in the world, of which you know all the names, but we work with them on a regular basis as well. And um, uh, I actually uh, uh, ran my office out of Abilene and traveled back and forth down here for years, but then about 11 years ago moved to Austin and have been full-time uh, working in and around the legislature for the oil and gas industry since. Excellent. Well, you know, we, we really do appreciate the, the trade associations because I think without uh, really good trade associations, the oil and gas sector is not really represented uh, in a way that the community can understand. So for us, uh, working closely with uh, trade associations is important as a media company and really getting uh, sure. input and uh, partnerships in place that really help uh, disseminate information in large masses when we talk about oil and gas. Because, you know, that's such a huge uh, need and, and there's not a lot of it. Um, but let's let me bring on David Blackman, who is the editor of Shell Magazine as well, because um, you know he's a regular on our show. He also has a, a wealth of information, being in the energy industry for thirty years himself. And um, I want to try to get us on a conversation because you guys know a lot about what's happening uh, pertaining to oil and gas and what will happen out of the eighty-six uh, legislative session. Uh, David, uh, are you there? I am, and if you don't mind, I, I would like to uh, just take a minute to, to to welcome Bill to the show. Bill and I uh, have go way back to 1999, in fact. Uh, that was also the first year that I worked uh, a Texas legislative session. And, uh, you know, it, it's been uh, one of the great experiences uh, and advantages of my life to, to have Bill to lean on uh, quite often over the years. And uh, just just to also let folks know that Bill's one of the really good guys there in Austin. He, uh, when he's working issues, he's always got in mind, you know, what's the best thing on this issue for the state of Texas? And uh, it's easy to lose sight of that sometimes. So, Bill, I appreciate <laughs> you. I'm really a- glad to have you on the excellent, show. Excellent, excellent point. But, you know, there's also, you know, we're talking about the Texas legislature right now, the 86th session. But... We're normally joined by John Tatera, who actually is in D.C. testifying uh, on behalf of oil and gas. So, you know, in my mind, when I look at uh, the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, there's a, a lot you guys are doing. It, it, you know, it says Texas Alliance, but you all are so much more. You're in D.C., you're testifying, you're working with elected officials, our congressmen down there. Um, you guys are all over the place, really focusing on these important issues, and uh, and I'm glad to see that that you both, uh, or the whole organization as a whole, is focusing on these really important issues. Tim, I am uh, uh, I'm really really I think privileged to uh, uh, be on this line with you and with David Blackman. So it's been he and I do have a long and good history of working together for the industry. Excellent. Well, we'll David, do more of it. <laughs> David, do you have uh, any questions? I have a whole list of oh, questions I, I want to get to, but I'll let you go first. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I actually, Bill, I, I want to give you a chance to uh, 
you know, one of the big issues the industry uh, and, and really the legislature has dealt with this year is eminent domain. The industry's in a big build-out of, of pipelines here in the state of Texas because of the boom going on in West Texas. And, and I know that that has been a tough issue to deal with, and uh, just want to give you a chance to, to kind of talk about what the issue is and how you think it's going to turn out at the end of the session. Well, uh, it is a huge issue, issue eminent domain, uh, and certainly right now for the industry and being able to move our product, get our product to uh, uh, to the marketplace. But it's not just our product of uh, oil and gas and pipelines, but it's also electricity and transmission lines. It's water uh, in, uh, in main water lines that we need, need to be able to move around the state. And it, if truth be known, uh, none of us like eminent domain. Uh, we, uh, uh, we don't like to have our property... Uh, to sell property under under duress or to uh, change our change our lives in that way and and but the matter of the fact is is that as a society and particularly as a growing society in Texas, if we're to get goods and products to the people and get distribution to all that need it and to live the society we have, we have to have some type of efficient procedural uh, mechanism that allows that to happen. And that's what we're discussing is how do we balance those private property rights and uh, the need for our society to move forward and for us to be able to get goods and products to, uh, uh, to the populace. Uh, this uh, has been a contentious issue. It always is. Uh, this is about the third session in a row that we've dealt with it very specifically. I uh, thought maybe we might get it done last session, and we did not. Um, I think we are on the verge of it. It could all blow apart in the next week. Uh, we're sitting here on uh, uh, just uh, ten days out, nine, nine days out, actually, uh, of the end of the legislative session. And so we don't have much time to finish up on this, and it's not done yet. The eminent domain questions that we have uh, been dealing with on landowners who have come into legislatures and uh, complaining about the fact that their rights are being taken from them uh, as well as their property uh, is being taken from them and when they perhaps do not want that to be the case. We understand that. Uh, we've been dealing with things such as the uh, initial offer complaint was that there were too many uh, too many times that uninformed landowners were approached by a pipeline company or a right-of-way easement group that made an initial offer that was so so low that it was not really in the in the marketplace so that's one of the things we've been negotiating is how do you determine how high that initial offer should be uh, we have uh, also we've been uh, dealing with landowner uh, meetings and calling landowner meetings to uh, inform uh, landowners in an area, in a county, uh, of what their rights are, what the uh, uh, and, and what the right of way is, where it's coming from. Third one is easements terms on those right of ways. We've hey. been negotiating. You know, uh, you know what, Bill? Bill, hang yes. on one second. We're going to come up to a hard break real quick. I do want to get back on this topic. But I also want to add in there when we come back, if we can get quickly on the topic of 
How does this affect the consumer, too, if we do not come to some kind of agreement on internet domain? But we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. In the Oil Patch Radio Show is proud to bring you this week's Energy Minute, produced by shalemag.com. Here's Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your current industry update. This is Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your Energy Minute. Oil prices tumbled nearly 6% on Thursday as the market braced for a prolonged U.S.-China trade war and absorbed reports of easing tensions in the Middle East. In addition, the consulting firm IHS Market reported that last month, U.S. manufacturing activity grew at its slow lowest pace since September of 2009. All of these combined to drive WTI prices down $3.23 to end the day at $58.19 per barrel, making it the biggest one-day loss of the year. Natural gas closed the day up $0.04 to end at $2.58 per MMBTU. This is Ryan Sitton, and that's your Energy Minute. Listen to In the Oil Patch Radio and keep up with the oil and gas industry online at shalemag.com. Join Shell Magazine and In the Oil Patch Radio Show in partnership with local and regional partners and organizations to get an update on the state of the energy industry. The State of Energy event is being held on July 18, 2019 from 10.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. at the Omni Houston Westside Hotel. State of Energy's keynote speaker for the luncheon is former U.S. Secretary of the Interior Ryan Zinke. Visit shellmag.com and click State of Energy on the main menu for more information about the event, to purchase tickets, and for sponsorship opportunities. You can also call 210-240-7188 for more details. So join us at the State of Energy Luncheon July 18th, 2019 at 10.30 a.m. at the Omni Houston Westside Hotel. Seats and tables are going fast, so be sure to visit shellmag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com before it's too late. See you there. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Bill Stevens, public policy extraordinaire for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. And we're also being joined by the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. Now, Bill, before the hard break, sorry about that, but it is radio land. Um, it is. We, <laughs> it is. We were talking about uh, intimate domain, a huge and very important topic that Texas and its citizens are grappling with. And you covered uh, the, some of the problems. You were on your third point of what is the, 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 the elected officials having to deal with and the energy sector along with royalty right owners or, or, or land owners, if you will, as well. Well, uh, yes, we have. We've got many things. And, I mean, we're down into really, really nitty-gritty things of the terms of easements and how, how deep do you have to um, – Put your pipeline. How far? How wide can it be? Et cetera, et cetera, and all of the things that we need to disclose and agree upon with a landowner. Um, and it's it's very very contentious from their standpoint and from the standpoint of um, uh, our pipelines being able to uh, be built. Uh, and it's important they are uh, for all of us to get goods and services to to the consumers and to the, the citizens of our state. Uh, 
uh, for instance, we are sitting right now because we have a lack of pipelines coming out of the Permian Basin because of the huge increase right, right. In, uh, uh, in production there. We, we've got to do something to get that out of there. We don't have enough uh, natural gas pipelines together at all. And get it so as a result, we're flaring. We're flaring that gas and basically wasting it at this juncture. And But it, on the other hand, there are not enough pipelines to take it. And in some cases, people are having to pay to have their uh, have their natural gas taken away from uh, from the wellhead, mm-hmm. and that doesn't work on the long term. We've got to get these pipelines built, and we need an eminent domain bill that everybody can live with, or we can move forward in an orderly fashion. We'll see what happens in the next week. Uh, I'm optimistic that uh, that that will happen, and that we're going to uh, come to an accommodation. Uh, former Speaker Tom Craddock. Uh, now who is chairman of the Land and Resource Management, has taken over the uh, process in the House uh, and has put together a bill which has now been passed out of the House and uh, are about to be passed out of the House in the next two days and sent to the Senate. If they concur, then we have a bill. If if they don't, if the landowners who uh, seem to be controlling things in the Senate don't concur, maybe we'll come back at it against another session. But we've got to get these pipelines built. Couldn't agree with you more. You know, I think the other part uh, of the question uh, that I had in my mind is, as Texans, you know, we have, uh, when we don't have the infrastructure we need to get uh, our oil and gas to market and, and, and get it, you know, where it needs to go, it has an impact on us as well. Uh, we This is where we see um, things like uh, higher prices at the pump. Uh, there's also the flaring, as you mentioned. Um, I would rather see that go to market than it being released, you know, into uh, the universe. So there are really good reasons for us to be working towards this. Uh, even if you're not in oil and gas and you're just a, con- you know, a person of the community, it's, it's important. It matters to you that we find a solution for this. That's just my, my opinion. The the export of crude oil and uh, LNG is an important subject in, to the state of Texas and to producers in West Texas. We've got to be able to get those products to the Gulf Coast to be exported. Uh, we're building uh, uh, LNG uh, export facilities in Brownsville. There right. are, uh, I think, uh, uh, 15 uh, LNG facilities around the, the coast, of the, uh, up and down not just Texas, but Louisiana and part of the Atlantic coast, too. We have 15 of them built now, I believe, but another... 12 or 13 that have not yet been permitted by DOE, and we're working with DOE to try to see how that can happen as well. But if we can't get it from the oil patch in the Permian Basin or in the Eagle Ford, if we can't get it out of the field and get it to the to the coast to get it to get it going, it doesn't make any difference. So we've got to have this. We've got to have a good eminent domain bill. Excellent. Well, you know, I know we still have David on the line, David Blackman, and this is going to interest you guys. Uh, we actually have the former Texas Railroad Commissioner, David Porter, on the line wanting to come in and chat on this, too. So uh, let's bring David Porter on as well. David, are you there? Hello. Yes, I'm here. Commissioner this is a Porter. Great surprise. <laughs> Commissioner Porter, I think, is a former Commissioner Porter of the Texas Railroad Commission. Uh, we, um, we're, let's catch up with you. What have you been doing since you've left office? I, 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 I don't want to jump us into a really deep conversation because I know we're going to come up on a break. So let's talk a little bit about what have you been up to uh, before we head into break. 
Well, I've been doing a little bit of consulting uh, for small gas companies, a little bit of CPA work, and through my work with the 98th Meridian Foundation, have been staying in touch with some public policy issues in the state, specifically about energy, water, land resources. That's right. You know, um, have you had an opportunity, uh, Commissioner Porter, to um, follow the Texas legislator as well this session? I mean, I know you've been busy doing other projects since you're not in office anymore. Um, and I'm wondering how how much uh, of this session are you following as well? I have been somewhat active supporting several bills in the water area. And I, I think, Bill, I certainly don't want to speak for you, but I think you've been supporting some of those same bills I was to encourage water recycling and beneficial reuse uh, for brackish water, desal, and produced water. Yes, and we're, well, I'm, we'll hopefully talk about some of those, but Dion, you and I have had our discussions about those both when you were in office and, 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 and since in the spring when I've seen you. And, you know, I think that, that, you know, we were talking about intimate domain. Now we're talking about water issues. And uh, in my mind, there are so many important topics that you that the legislators are having to deal with and really be experts and make really the right decisions pertaining to the citizens of Texas, but also uh, the commodities that we really need, like oil and gas. So when we return, uh, Commissioner Porter or David Porter, I'm going to have you ask the question. But you're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C., and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we're being joined by Bill Stevens, who is with the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. And we also have on the line David Porter, who is the former Texas Railroad Commission, or one of the former Texas Railroad Commissioners. Uh, David, let's get into, you had a question pertaining to the Texas legislator this session and water. Um, go ahead and, and let's get on that discussion with Bill. Sure. Uh, really, Bill, my question is, there were several good water bills that were introduced this session, but as we're coming down the last few days, it looks to me like, and this is what I wanted to get your expert commentary on, that the only one that looks like it's going to make it to the governor's desk is HB 3246. Is, is that what is that your understanding? Well, I can tell you that uh, that might be what happens. Uh, but I'm not going to be satisfied with that. Yes, HB 3246 by Drew Darby out of the House 
uh, is uh, has been gone through the Senate, Senate committee, and through the Senate, and is now uh, on the governor's desk to be signed. We Can expect that to happen, and that bill, uh, uh, that bill. Um, What's its purpose? Uh, it designates um, ownership of produced water, uh, oil and gas produced water that has been transferred to an entity for uh, for recycling for a beneficial use. A beneficial use being something not dis disposing of it down hole like we do now, but let's use it. Can we do it, uh, clean it to where we can use it on crops? Can we clean it to where we can uh, use it for mu uh, like municipal wastewater? We can clean it to use it for other, other beneficial uses. And the company that does that then would maintain the uh, the ownership and possession uh, of the uh, of that oil and gas waste. I want to move forward just a little bit with you, Commissioner Porter. Um, we have two other bills that are not quite dead yet. We're working on them really, really hard and have been for the last several days. One is House Bill 2545 by Representative Guillen. And uh, this bill is now in the Senate. It's before the Senate Finance Committee. It provides a um, franchise tax credit incentive to those companies that are desalinating either marine seawater, uh, brackish groundwater, or produced oil and gas water. Uh, it provides that incentive to those folks. And, of course, this is a tight budgetary thing, although they've got lots of money, the more than they normally do. But we're trying to solve the Senate finance, uh, the school finance, and uh, property tax uh, uh, questions. Uh, so they're holding on to their money pretty tightly. But this and this does have a $25 million annual cap, which is really not much compared to the potentiality of what it could. We think it could do for the state. The third water bill that is there is uh, House Bill 2771 by J.M. Lozano. Uh, this bill moves the uh, jurisdiction of uh, permitting for this discharge of beneficial use, moves it from the Railroad Commission to the TCEQ. They have had all other industries other than oil and gas waste, but this would move, the, the 2771 would move the, that jurisdiction to TCEQ uh, under the National uh, Pollution uh, MPDES uh, designations, but at any rate, um, uh, and I know that you have you have just produced a white paper uh, uh, and talked about oil and gas regulations in the Railroad Commission. But um, I'd always always be interested to hear what you're thinking. But I think we're going to get these other two. The first one you mentioned by Darby. 2545 by Guillen and 2771 by Lozano, that we will have those two into the governor's desk by the end of this week. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I think that that is excellent. I, I know as far as the franchise credit, a lot of people are thinking that's an oil and gas bill, but it's really a increased water, drought-proof water as far as Texas bill, in my opinion. Well, as you know, uh, in our industry, we produce, along with the, the hydrocarbons, the oil and gas, we produce associated uh, produced water about 8.1 billion barrels per year. And the vast, vast majority of that, in the 
97, 98% range uh, is taken down the road by pipeline or, or by uh, truck and is disposed of in a commercial disposal well at depth and lost out of the uh, in, uh, environmental and economic cycle forever. Interesting. Gentlemen, we are going to take a break. When we return, we're going to be joined by, uh, joined by Joe, who is waiting on the line as well. And I think he has a question on LNG. David, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we will be right back. Agreco has been powering the Permian Basin for over 10 years, supporting Permian producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. Agreco supports power systems as small as a single 200 kilowatt to as large as a 50 megawatt power plant. So when your utility power is delayed, call on Agreco to engineer a diesel, natural gas, or battery solution to fit your needs. We have immediate availability right here in the Permian Basin. Call 1-800-AGRECO or online agreco.com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. Um, our guest today is Bill Stevens, who is with the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Bill, thank you so much for coming on today, talking sure. to us about what's happening at the 86. Uh, legislative session and taking some questions from some of our listeners. Uh, I want to bring on Joe, who's online too. Uh, Joe, are you there? Yes, I'm here, Kim. Thank you, Joe. You know, I, I do have to also say, Joe, every week you uh, email us, you're talking to us, you're showing us stories that are going on. And I just want to say thank you for one, being a, a great supporter of the show, but also being alert as to what's happening in oil and gas because if I think if everyone was as involved uh, in oil and gas and the understanding of it we you know we wouldn't have so many problems <laughs> but exactly you know the consumer is the front line in this industry exactly. and the more the consumer is interested in you know in the situation then you know I think a lot of, of the problems can be resolved. And that's why we have this show, so thank you for listening. But what's your question for Bill Stevens? Uh, my question basically is, now that uh, natural gas production in Texas has increased exponentially, how would it be possible for the legislature or the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers and various trade associations to help rope in those New England LNG contracts away from Russian and other foreign imports and into our American companies' hands? through maybe a pipeline or at least LNG, because it really does affect the consumer. And well, it certainly uh, the does. second part of this uh, would be, oddly, the same thing is happening in Europe, from what I've heard, with their climate, climate panic for dollars uh, governing. Uh, so how can we facilitate our natural gas export to Europe also? Well, great question. Uh, to the uh, uh, to the, the New England, New York, uh, Massachusetts uh, uh, problem of importing uh, Russian natural gas into the U.S. Of course, the state of New York has said no more pipelines, and we can't get pipelines in there. I was reading, uh, and, and one thing today, just where the uh, uh, governor 
Cuomo has uh, said that no, that he's not going to let another pipeline uh, be built into the New York City area. Uh, we can't get we can't get it in there if we can't bring it in by pipeline. Um, but we also uh, there's a, a, a little problem that we have called the Jones Act. Oh, okay. Well, you know, uh, uh, let me bring on David because I know David is here too, and we had a conversation. <laughs> yeah, we had a conversation just in the last show about this. David, are you there? Yes. Yeah. So uh, you you heard the caller Joe talking about all okay, the problems. Yeah. What are your comments? Because uh, <laughs> I'd be interesting to hear your well, take. Yeah, Bill's uh, exactly right. You know, the problem in New England is is uh, mainly due to Governor Cuomo refusing to uh, allow any pipelines to be built into New York from from Pennsylvania to bring the natural gas from the Marcellus Shale into that market. And so, yeah, they've had to import LNG uh, into Boston Harbor. Uh, several loads of LNG over the winter that came from Russia, of all places. That's crazy. Uh, what can the Texas legislature do about that? Really not much, really not anything. Uh, Congress, on the other hand, if it had the will, could change the laws. Uh, New York is basically making those decisions under, uh, through really abuse of the Clean Air Act, certain provisions of the Clean Air Act that they are intentionally misinterpreting uh, to to use to block those pipelines. So, you know, Congress could act to amend the administrative procedures under the Clean Air Act to stop that kind of nonsense. But, as we all know, um, Congress didn't get anything done uh, right now just because the House and the Senate are, you know, uh, governed by different parties in the majority. So, uh, it is a big problem in the New England states, and I, I do wish there was something, you know, our policy makers in Texas could do about it. Well, and, you know, another part of Joe's question was all the things that are happening over there in Europe and, and how, um, you know, they're they're pretty much very much into um, anti-oil and gas and some of the policies that are coming out are, you know, the Paris Climate Accord, just uh, very troubling times and um, I don't quite understand why we here in the United States do not see what their pain the problems that they're having uh, the yellow vest uh, protests that are occurring why are we not understanding it doesn't take very much just look over there and see that this doesn't work and uh, we need to have really uh, good policies in place that protect uh, of course the community and the environment but also we can do this with oil and gas and we need this commodity um, any solutions that you guys have on uh, or, or where what will be the outcome out there well, you're really getting above my pay grade to talk <laughs> about uh, uh, European politic- politics and economics. Um, I do know the French, once again, are certainly uh, backing away from fossil fuels, and uh, uh, we uh, and, and I think that's uh, that's a shame for all of us at this juncture. Uh, but uh, uh, I do think we can we can work with uh, we can work with the UK. Uh, I think that there are other, uh, and from the Ukraine, there are other Eastern, um, uh, Eastern European nations that we're trying to work with. Um, but uh, we're just now getting to the point where we are truly becoming um, uh, export-minded with our LNG, and uh, that would be would be helpful and solve a big problem. Excellent. 
When we return, I want to start get back on topic of trying to cover a little bit of more of things that are related to session. Uh, and so, David Blackman, you'll continue to join with us along with Bill Stevens. Uh, but we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we will be right back. next meeting or event at Victoria College's Emerging Technology Complex, home to the -the state-of-the-art Conference and Education Center, conveniently located between Houston and Corpus Christi. The center hosts meetings, educational workshops, and banquets for up to 300 people with the latest in technology amenities and ample parking. Let their professional meeting planners make your next event a success. For more information, go to conferenceinvictoria.com. Once again, that's conferenceinvictoria.com. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923, and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we are being joined by Bill Stevens, who is with the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, and David Blackman, who is the editor of Shell Magazine. And guys, we were just getting ready to jump into the meat and potatoes of what's left that we've got to talk about um, at the session, 86 session, and we do have one call that came in between break. So we want to definitely take this call, and then we'll try to fit it in. Um, we have Clint on the line. Clint, what is your comment or question for Bill and David today? Yes, uh, with the Chinese tariffs in place, uh, what can we expect? And is there a flowdown coming in? If so, in what areas? Thank you. Well, that's a good question because, David, I know we've covered this too a lot on uh, the show in the past. Um, what is yeah, your opinion? Yeah. Go ahead. What is your opinion? Or, or Bill, maybe you want to weigh in on here, too. I know that's not your area, but uh, well, we're always looking for not, comments. <laughs> it's, it's certainly international, and that's not what I do every day. Uh-huh. The understanding that we're seeing the uh, 25% uh, uh, tariff as of this morning or yesterday, and I, going from 25% down to 10% on LNG, we're supportive of that. Okay. 
Well, I mean, David, you and I have talked, and you've also discussed that, um, if I remember correctly, you're like, this is going to have a, a, it's going to be like a blip. Um, it should, well, there's no incentive for the Chinese to keep this up, correct? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's more than a blip. Um, but, yeah, I think that, that we have all the leverage in the in the negotiation with the Chinese. Uh, and companies, you know, some companies have been disadvantaged uh, by these tariffs. There's no doubt about that. Right. The, the good news, though, is that this week, late this week, uh, the United States reached an agreement with both Canada and Mexico to remove all tariffs on steel and aluminum oh, from those two good. countries. And so that gives us another tariff-free market obtain steel from and, and hopefully more of our midstream and, and downstream and upstream companies will be able to obtain their steel from these tariff-free countries uh, rather than going to China until this deal with China gets worked out. And you know we do receive a lot of emails um, or on our social media platforms you know concerned about this what does this mean is this going to be a slowdown because I think that if you're in the bubble you understand but if you're outside the bubble but you're selling into oil and gas you have a lot of concerns is this going to be like what we saw two years ago uh, how is this going to affect me what should I be doing and they're trying to prepare so I'm glad uh, we had that uh, quick discussion Bill we we yes. we left some some items on the table as as far as what is happening in oil and gas funding for uh, the Texas Railroad Commission its budget. Let, let's get into what are some of the things that we uh, didn't cover that you want to cover on this eighty six session. Well, number one, I think that the Railroad Commission budget is in good shape, and uh, we worked hard to make sure that they we'd like to have a strong regulator. Uh, that's good, particularly in our pushback against the feds. Uh, and that's helpful. Uh, I think they're 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 being well funded. They're, they're going in out of monies that uh, it won't be any more than the, than the last biennium. But they're redirecting some of their monies to hire 22 new inspectors. Nearly mostly most of those are going to be pipeline inspectors, and uh, uh, that is needed. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, another one other thing I'd mentioned that uh, was on the list, and that is the funding of the maintenance uh, of uh, county roads. Uh, in, in the oil patch, uh, in the energy sector roads. And we're working on that right now. We've got $250 million in the budget. We'd hope to have $500 million there. Uh, we have a bill that's going through this week to help um, redefine the uh, uh, the formula for how TxDOT uh, is disseminates through the county infrastructure fund to st- would disseminate those, those monies. Uh, but uh, that's still within the next week. But we hope to get monies to the counties uh, to help them maintain county roads, which we and the oil patch need and, of course, the citizens of those counties want. Exactly. You know, um, Future of the Region uh, of South Texas, it covers, I think, 47 counties. I currently Mm -hmm. sit on its board. And um, every year, uh, every other year, I apologize, we have a... Uh, conference in which we look at things that are very, very important to South Texas, water, oil and gas, uh, transportation, pipelines. Um, And that was one of the issues that bubbled up was, you know, there is a lot of wear and tear on uh, the roads when we look at, you know, 18-wheelers coming in and and having to transport because we have a lot of lack of pipelines still um, and the need to have some money put into those areas. So, um, it may not be all of the amount that everybody wanted, but I think uh, big picture, it's a start, and um, you got to start somewhere. So I'm glad to see that the legislators are taking um, that uh, opportunity to do something for those rural counties. Uh, we've got about two minutes left. David, any comments from you? 
Well, yeah, a couple of things. You know, on the funding of the Railroad Commission, people, uh, you know, most people don't realize that the Railroad Commission is funded almost, or at least the great majority of it, out of fees uh, and taxes on the oil and gas industry. And so That's when right. we talk about raising the budget for the Railroad Commission, you know, and the oil and gas industry and associations like the Alliance lobbying in favor of doing that, we are talking about the industry volunteering to increase fees and taxes on itself. Uh, and so that's that's something, you know, I think the, the public should recognize about this industry. And then the second thing, all the, all the, the rural roads, which is a fantastic point that, that you guys have been talking about there, it's so important, so critical, uh, not just for the industry, but for the public. And, and thank goodness for the rainy day fund, which, by the way, is also funded by taxes on, on the oil and gas industry. Uh, because without that rainy day fund, we wouldn't have been able, This I think the third time now we've passed the rainy day fund for additional money for, for roads and infrastructure uh, in these uh, areas where the oil and gas industry is booming. So, you know, it all it all is a self-feeding kind of thing. When the industry booms, the rainy day fund is flush with money, and we're able to do things like this. So it's, it's really a good system that we have here in the state of Texas. And, and we need to make sure that we recognize that it is through the exploration of oil and gas that that rainy day fund uh, is funded that helps in all these different areas. Um, so Bill Stevens, Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, David Blackman, editor of Shell Magazine, thank you for being a guest on In the Oil Patch radio show. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.